Hello and welcome to the Irish History Show. My name is Cahill Brennan and if you'd like to listen to this or any previous episodes of the show, please visit our website, irishhistoryshow.ie. You can follow us on Twitter, at irishhistorypod, or on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash the Irish History Show. If you get a chance, please rate and review the show on Spotify or iTunes or whichever platform you get your podcasts on, because it really helps us. On today's episode, my co-presenter John Dorney from theirishstory.com spoke to Dr. Porrick O'Rourke about the disappeared of the Irish Revolution. So here is John and Porrick. I'm very happy to be joined today by Podrick O'Rourke. Thanks for joining me, Podrick. Thanks, John. Podrick, you've just been engaged in a project with Andy Bielenberg of UCC about the disappeared of the Irish War of Independence and Revolutionary Period. And the first thing I want to ask you, Padraig, is how did you get interested in this as a topic? Why did you go and research this? I did my PhD in the War of Independence. I've always been interested in this aspect of Irish history. The IRA's intelligence war, particularly in terms of the targeting of civilians alleged to be spies, has been one of the most controversial and I suppose one of the most at times taboo subjects of the, the Irish revolutionary period. And... I would have family from West Clare, uh, from the Milltown Malbay area, and I wrote one of my first books on County Clare, and while writing that book, I came across the, the stories of two British soldiers, Private George Robertson, who was the first British soldier to be disappeared by the IRA in the War of Independence, and also Private George Duff Chalmers, who in June of 1921 would have been one of the last British soldiers disappeared in the War of Independence. So I had a particular interest in those two local cases, and my research actually led to the identification of Private Chalmers. He had always just been referred to as the soldier in the bog. It was known that the IRA had shot this guy. It was known where he was buried, but nobody had ever been able to find out the soldier's name. And once my research connected the this killing with that soldier's name, it resulted in May of 2018 in the Gardaí actually excavating that remote informal gravesite. It was marked with a small wooden cross and a, a stone. And uh, that body was actually given a formal reburial in Grange Gorman Military Cemetery in Dublin. So it was around that time in, in 2018 that I started working with Dr. Andy Bielenberg of UCC to try and do a project to identify just how many of these disappearances had occurred nationwide during the Irish War of Independence, Truce Period and Irish Civil War. Yes, and I should tell listeners that once upon a time, uh, Podrick took me on a drive around very remote spots of County Clare where there were a lot of unmarked graves. I was more than a little nervous, I can tell you. Yeah, it was, there was no shovel and you made it out of the bog. One of the places we visited was the burial place of Private George Robertson, who's an interesting case and whose, whose body is still missing. The majority of those who were disappeared at the time, their remains have not been recovered. Talk of the disappeared in Ireland always will draw comparisons with the disappeared of the Troubles, the Northern Ireland conflict, because this has been a political issue kind of in the last few decades. How can we, first of all, compare the disappeared of the Irish Revolutionary period with the disappeared of the Troubles in terms of numbers. Andy and myself wouldn't claim to be authorities on the the conflict in the North. The first thing I'd say about the idea, we tend to call them the disappeared in Ireland, but it's an international phenomenon and it's, uh, it's generally called forced disappearances. This would be something that has occurred in, in a lot of conflicts internationally. 
For example, in the Spanish Civil War, it's estimated uh, that there were 140,000 people disappeared, uh, many of those who were executed and whose bodies are, are still missing in mass graves. And even today in a conflict like the, the Syrian Civil War, Amnesty International estimates that uh, about 75,000 people have been disappeared. Now, not all of those will have been killed. Some may be kept in prisons with no conflict with their, their loved ones, but there's certainly a lot of these forced disappearances happening. Irish Republicans using the tactic of the disappeared, it goes right back to uh, 1798. It's not a new phenomenon. The largest number of disappearances in modern times would relate to the the War of Independence, and it it tended to trail off afterwards. Obviously, the disappearances in the the North in recent decades, you would have been talking around 20 people disappeared. The majority of them would have been by the provisional IRA. Uh, In one case, it was the INLA. And 16 of those bodies were still missing at the time of the the ceasefire in 1996. All but three of those have been recovered. Whereas if you look at the disappeared of the, what we call it, the Irish Revolution, the War of Independence, right up to the Civil War, 70 of those bodies still haven't been recovered. Now, we're going to talk about strict numbers in a little while and where and when and so on. But I first of all have a, a kind of psychological question, I suppose, which is, why do you think disappearing someone is worse than simply killing them in in kind of the popular imagination. From a legal standpoint, it's a breach of of international law. My understanding is that uh, international conventions governing the so-called rules or conduct of war stipulate that once a conflict ends, you have to, you know, return the enemy dead or make sure that they're formally buried. And obviously, from a personal point of view for the families involved, it leaves them without a loved one's grave to attend where they can mourn it. Important if we're talking about the disappeared and the IRA, you know, executions of the time. A lot of the disappeared and the thing we most commonly associate it with in Ireland would be intelligence and alleged civilian spies. And there were certainly a lot of people at the time suspected of being spies, but not all of them were killed. It was very common for the IRA, depending on how serious the alleged spying or collaboration offence had been, they could take a civilian suspect and issue them with a fine. They could force their business or their farm into a, into a boycott. They could exile them from the country. About 200 alleged civilian spies were executed by the IRA during the War of Independence, but only a small number of those were actually uh, disappeared, uh, about 42 uh, suspected uh, spies. Why people would disappear them from uh, a Republican point of view? Well, first of all, it's very difficult to convict somebody of a murder if there is no body. Uh, So it hides evidence of the killing is, is one point. A second point is that hiding the body, be it of a civilian suspected of being an informer, or be it of a a British soldier or RIC member, Black and Tan, who's been taken prisoner, means that reprisals are less likely. Because from the point of view of the British forces, they don't know, is this person being interrogated? Are they still alive? Are they being held hostage as some kind of bargaining chip? Are they already dead? So it makes reprisals more difficult. In terms of intelligence, it was more useful sometimes to, for the IRA to disappear people because it created a sense of uh, panic and confusion within British spying networks in Ireland. And this was something that the IRA hoped to exploit so that they could maybe unearth or unmask further spies. And there's a number of other reasons. For example, if you take a very famous or infamous case, uh, Maria Lindsay, 
who was a Protestant loyalist who had given information to the British forces about a planned IRA ambush. And that had resulted in the capture and execution of, of five IRA volunteers. And their bodies would have been buried by the British in the prison where they were executed and were not returned to their families. And by not returning Mrs. Lindsay's body, it may have been by disappearing her, it may have been a form of revenge. And in a different case, in Alan Lendrum, who was a British resident magistrate who was shot in a, a bungled um, IRA attempt to hold him up and, and hijack his car. His body was returned after a, a short period to his family after an appeal by Captain Lendrum's brother. And when the body was returned, it was in a makeshift coffin and the coffin had a note on it. And that note specifically you know, referred to the fact that the men who had been executed in 1916, their bodies hadn't been returned. So we're being better by returning this body. So there's, there's a number of different reasons for espionage, for practical purposes, and just plain, plain revenge, why this tactic of disappeared was used. About 70 of this 100, 100 plus bodies weren't returned or weren't found after peace was restored after the Civil War. Was that just due to confusion? Nobody knew who was buried where anymore? Or was there something more to it? Just to, to give the total figure, there's 108 disappeared by the IRA during the revolutionary period. 38 of those bodies have been recovered, 70 are still missing. It's important to note as well that there were seven people disappeared by the British forces during that time, but all of those bodies were recovered fairly quickly afterwards. So the question of why so many of these bodies are still missing, well, there was an attempt, a large attempt made in the 1920s, between 1921 and 1927, 32 of these bodies were actually dug up and, uh, and returned. The first instance of this happening was with a, a black and tan from Cork, a guy, called, a guy called Constable Daniel Murphy. He had been shot by the IRA in Clare, buried by the East Clare Brigade in Woodland, and his body was dug up during the truce period and was uh, put into a makeshift coffin with a plaque on it bearing his name and was dropped back at the uh, church in Six Mile Bridge. So that was the first case of the IRA actually returning a, a body. During the end of the Civil War, the British Commonwealth Office got in contact, uh, and the Duke of Devonshire, who was in charge of that, got in contact with Richard Mulcahy, who was then the chief of staff of the new national or free state army. And they began a correspondence about recovering some of the, these bodies. In a way, that seems to have been largely unsuccessful. What was more successful was local investigations by the new Gardaí or Civic Guard on the ground, working with IRA veterans. Sometimes it was on a case-by-case -case the decision whether Republicans would decide to return these bodies or not. I mentioned Miss Lindsay earlier and the IRA in that case, the anti-treaty IRA veterans, when they heard there was an attempt being made to recover the body, said that they wouldn't cooperate with that, did not want her body returned. But the IRA in the same area were involved in helping the recovery of Major Compton Smith, who was a British Army officer who'd been executed. And I think part of the reason for that was that they felt that what Smith had done, he was a British man, this was him fighting for his principles, he died, he paid the price, he was honourable. Whereas they regarded Miss Lindsay as, you know, a, a spy and something more contemptible and, you know, she would have betrayed them as, as, as they saw it. So in her case, they may have held her to a different standard and Compton Smith to a higher standard and were happy to return his body and not hers. The 
case of, of Mrs. Lindsay, as she was always referred to at the time, that were actually forbidden from killing her by IRA GHQ, but they, they went ahead anyway. So might that have played a part in them? Maybe not wanting to admit what they did. I would say that the official IRA headquarters diktat was that you were not to shoot female spies, that women who were involved in spying for the British forces. However, there's at least three women spies executed during the, uh, the War of Independence. Kate Carroll, who was a Catholic from Monaghan, Bridget Noble, and Miss Lindsay in, uh, in Cork. Bridget Noble was a woman who had been, I suppose, fraternising with the Royal Irish Constabulary, had been seen visiting the, the barracks. As a punishment for this, she had her hair cropped, which would have been designed to, to shame her. And she allegedly, according to the IRA, then reported the names of the men, the IRA volunteers who had arrived to crop her hair. And uh, in retaliation for this, she was considered a, a spy and was executed, disappeared, and her body has never been recovered. With Miss Lindsay as well, it took the IRA a long time to admit that they had actually executed uh, her and disappeared her. And I suppose there was an element of women being treated differently at the time. And one of the theories as to why women would have been disappeared is because the IRA may have felt that the killing of a woman throwing her body onto a roadside, labelling it with a, a spy label, as happened in other cases, may have been unacceptable. But again, that's a theory. Uh, there's no hard proof behind that. My next question is kind of a methodological question. So there's actually a book, as you know, Podrick, called The Year of the Disappearances uh, by Jared Murphy. And it posits that there was dozens, I think the figure is, is 80, 70 or 80 people forcibly disappeared by the IRA in Cork during the truce. And it turns out on closer inspection that a lot of these people who, who were supposedly killed simply left the country or they weren't killed in any event. But my question is, how do you differentiate between people who were missing and people who we can verify as being killed and secretly buried? Because, you know, if somebody is, is missing, how, how do you determine what happened to them? Well, I suppose that the first thing to remember when you're looking at this phenomenon is that people generally do not disappear without a trace. If somebody goes missing, their employer, the local police, their parents, their spouse, their family, their children, someone will, will ask questions and usually the matter will be reported to the police, will be reported in newspapers. Now, there's two kind of difficulties when, when that comes. One is people who are on the margins of society who have been out of contact with their, their families and society for years. I'm talking about what would be called uh, tramps or vagrants, people who lead a, a transient lifestyle. And uh, if you have somebody who's wandering around, who has no fixed abode, no employment, they don't leave a very strong record. But there aren't many disappeared who would fall into that category. Now, the other case which can be kind of confusing is British deserters, men who have deserted from the British army. And if they are genuine deserters, they will not want to be found by the British. And when they return to civilian life, they will adopt uh, a new name to avoid persecution. But how we dealt with that issue was we looked at the IRA records of executions and there were quite a number of cases where British soldiers have been claiming to be deserters, have been shot by the IRA who suspected that they were not genuine deserters but spies gathering information. We compared those to the British police records because the Constabulary Gazette, the British police magazine, had a list published every week in the 1920s of deserters from the British Army, their names, their regiment, 
where they had gone missing. And by cross-referencing that with the IRA accounts, we actually managed to identify which of these missing deserters had actually been captured and shot by the IRA. That is basically how we were able to confirm who was missing. There are records. We went through every available IRA witness testimony. I think there's about 3,000 statements in the Bureau of Military History. Ernie O'Malley interviewed another 500 or so uh, Republican veterans. Uh, you have the father, Louis O'Kane, interviews in the North, which is another 100 uh, IRA veterans from the 1920s who are uh, who are recorded in there in the, the ar- archive in Armagh. Uh, the British issued a list of soldiers that were missing. There was a missing list of civilians published in the Irish Times. There are church records. There are police reports. We got Department of Justice files uh, released. And again, there is traces of everyone in these, everyone who was alleged to have gone, gone, gone missing. Now, if you look at the Department of Justice cases, what you find is that we had um, we applied for 90 missing persons files from the Department of Justice to be released. Three of those related to people who had actually been disappeared, abducted, executed by the IRA. The remaining 87 were people who owed money to their landlord, didn't want to pay it, uh, free state soldiers who were assumed to be missing, who had actually just stopped sending money home to their wife. Uh, some of these guys were RIC, RIC auxiliary cadets who had um, basically uh, eloped or bigamists who had married someone else and ran away to the other side of the, the world. And again, all those cases were noted. So most missing people um, record in the Department of Justice files. There's no evidence they were killed by the IRA. There's much more blasé explanations. And I mentioned earlier that when the IRA were punishing suspected spies, the uh, severity of the punishment depended on the severity of the the information that was thought to have been given and whether this had resulted in the capture of IRA arms or ammunition or the execution of IRA volunteers. And if you look at one case that was brought up in Cork, Edward Olaf, he was a, a Protestant from Bandon. He went missing and he's on the disappeared list published in the Irish Times in August of 1921. Edward Olaf was not killed by the IRA. He died in Walnut Creef in California in 1973. He had simply decided that he had been suspected of being spy, a spy. He had been warned. He had obviously been exiled or told to get out of the country or he'd be shot. And he was shot. And people have claimed in the past that, oh, he's disappeared, he's missing, he's buried somewhere. And one of the problems with this is there's a lot of um, exaggeration about it. I mean, there are so many stories that I've come across my home county of Clare of, oh, there's two black and tans buried in that bog and there's a British soldier buried here. And when you check the British and RIC records, there's no one missing in the area. And there's a phenomenon in Irish folklore called for the Vosh, and it's the idea that when somebody is killed, if they don't get a kind of formal burial, that there's a connection kind of that you are destined to die at this spot and it can it, it has kind of supernatural results. So a lot of stories you hear, even about genuine graves, where we can document that there is a person executed and buried in that area, you will hear a lot of supernatural stories about, you know, lights being seen in the area or the men involved in the execution were all cursed and all died young and this kind of stuff. So there's a lot of folklore that has to be separated from the the fact. And the very last thing to remember is that IRA veterans are prone to exaggeration. 
particularly Martin Curry, who was in, in East Cork. The Ernie O'Malley Notebooks contains an interview with a guy called Mick Leahy, who was an IRA volunteer from Cork. And he said that there were up to 90 people disappeared, buried, secretly executed in the Nakraha area of East Cork. But the reality is that there, we could only trace and we searched every record available, we could only trace less than 10 people who have been executed in that area. Martin Curry, who's credited with having carried out most of these executions, claimed that he had executed 16 members of a British Army regiment called the Cameron Highlanders. The Cameron Highlanders were only missing three soldiers in the area. Martin Curry claimed that he executed a 15-year-old Protestant loyalist boy alleged to, to be a spy, a guy called uh, Edward Parsons. Parsons was killed by a totally different uh, IRA unit. He probably never met Martin Curry, was certainly not buried on Martin Curry's farm, as he claimed. The Department of Justice files actually showed that that particular person, Edward Parsons, is buried on the Kinsale Road south of Cork City. So you have to be very careful about exaggeration and IRA veterans in later years inflating the body account for personal reasons or, in Martin Curry's case, political reasons. He was a Fianna Fáil TD for East Cork, and he felt that exaggerating the numbers and boasting about the executions that he, he carried out would give him some kind of prowess. And it's important to note that other IRA veterans in the area argued with Martin Curry and said there was nowhere near that number of executions. And initially, Martin Curry claimed that he had executed 27. And a few years later, he claimed that he had executed 35. And the numbers just keep building as this guy gets older. Yeah, Martin Curry seems like an extraordinary character to me. I mean, most IRA veterans in the Bureau or in talking to Ernie O'Malley or wherever else were very reticent to talk about killing civilians as spies. But Curry seems to have reveled in it for some reason. Well, if we take that Edward Parsons case, Curry gives a very graphic brutal description of this. He claims that he had this guy Parsons and that he he wouldn't talk. So Curry devised this method of torture that he took him out to his shed. He put a, a rope around his neck. He, he strangled him until he was almost dead. And then he spoke and Curry had him led outside, executed by firing squad and, and buried on his farm. Now, the problem is that Curry's description of Parsons doesn't match the description that's in the missing persons file. Curry says that uh, Parsons was 26 years old. He was a boy of 15. He says that Parsons had a limp. There's no sign of him having a limp. It's not in the physical description. And his parents' description lists everything about him, his hair color, his eyes, his height, the clothes he's wearing, makes no mention of, of a limp. And uh, the reality, as I said, is that he was killed in a totally separate area. So this is something that Martin Curry, this is a fantasy he's invented this uh, is just typical of the kind of stories he comes out with. And if you actually listen to Martin Curry's interviews, he revels in talking about these. He boasts at uh, Fianna Fáil common dinners that he attends that he, he executed British soldiers and he buried oats on them and, and he boasts they were very good oats. But the reality is, if you listen to Martin Curry's uh, testimony and you listen to his interviews, it's full of supernatural nonsense. He talks about how a black dog, you know, flaming eyes appeared while he was, you know, interrogating one of these spies and, and jumped through the wall of his shed. I mean, this is, again, what I talked about earlier, supernatural folklore being mixed in with supposedly real stories of disappearances. So long story short, Martin Curry is not a reliable witness and his claims about the number of people he executed has to be treated with great caution. And this isn't just common when we talk about uh, executions being inflated. 
If you look at the Monreal ambush, you'll have IRA volunteers saying, in, in this happened in County Clare, that there were 16 British soldiers killed it. And the British records show there was only two British soldiers wounded. There's an IRA volunteer in Cork, and he talks about he planted a booby trap with dynamite that killed 20 British auxiliaries, and their bodies weren't found because they all floated down the River Lee and were lost out at sea. And again, this is total fiction. So IRA veterans, like I suppose some war veterans, tend to exaggerate these things. Often people who are the most active in these military situations are often the people who are less likely to talk and boast about it. Yeah, I mean, you know, I can understand people involved in combat not having a clear picture. And, and you often see in IRA reports, you know, the enemy casualties were very heavy and we think there was 20 killed and so on. But like to actually revel in, in torturing somebody and to actually make it up, it seems remarkable to me. Martin Curry was some intellect, I would say, but I'll move on. Podrick, as regards the facts and figures here, let's get, break it down. So first of all, how many people were, were disappeared in this period? Okay, so again, just taking Republican figures, because I've, I've written separately in History Ireland magazine on people disappeared by the, the British. Just taking the, the Republicans, there's, we have a total of 108 disappeared for the period. Now, we are not claiming absolutely that we have found every single person there is. We do have one or two other references that seem credible, but we can't match them to a record of a disappearing person. We're not discounting the possibility that somebody else will come along and have found another one or two fatalities we haven't met. But we'd be su surprised if it was more than a handful, because really, we think we have done enough research on this that we have put out a, a pattern for how these disappearances occurred county by county and how they occurred over a period of time. And we think that, you know, you can draw from that. You can't argue that there were, you know, 90 disappearances in the Civil War in Cork if we don't have a, a reference to even one person being disappeared in Cork in that conflict and the disappearances in the Civil War happened outside it. But to give a basic breakdown of that 108, 89 were disappeared in the War of Independence. In the truce period, you're talking about 16 people being disappeared. And in the Civil War, just three people were disappeared. And if we go back again, a total figure of 108, 65 of those disappearances happened in County Cork, and the remainder happened outside of County Cork. And there are some areas, some counties where there's no disappearances at all. For example, north of the border in, in Northern Ireland, disappearances aren't really a phenomenon. There's only one case which we could talk about later. And counties like Tipperary have a lot of disappearances. Counties like Limerick, there's only one person from Limerick disappeared. Thomas Hanley, he's a, a former member of the RIC Auxiliary di Division, but he's captured in Limerick and he's executed in Cork. So he goes down as a, a Cork figure. So it's very scattered, very patchy how it occurs nationally. The majority of the killings are in Cork. And you get some local things happening, like in Westmeath, in Roscommon. It was often very common for those being executed as spies to, uh, to be shot and, and their bodies thrown into the River Shannon or thrown into a, a water source to disappear them, whereas that was far less common in counties like Cork. And can we break it down into categories of victim, like who was a civilian, who was a soldier, who was a policeman and so on? Okay, well, you're talking about a total of, I think it's about 30 British Army disappeared. You're talking about 19, 20 members of the RIC disappeared 
and the remainder would be civilians. Now, I should say at this point that all this information, all the data has been published in the Rutledge Journal of Small Wars and Insurgencies. And you can get the full academic article there. The title is Shallow Graves Documenting and Assessing IRA Disappearances During the Irish Revolution. But even if you look at the civilians who were uh, disappeared, you have 45 civilians disappeared in the War of Independence. You have uh, 11 disappeared in the uh, truce period and just one disappeared in the, the Civil War. Now, the overwhelming majority of those would have been in the War of Independence. These would have been civilians who were accused of spying. There are two or three exceptions to that. People like Captain Alan Lendrum, I mentioned earlier, who was uh, killed in an attempt to take his car and the body was hidden. People like Leo Corby in Cork, who was, I think, a, a young dentist or dental student who was shot by accident at an IRA roadblock. His body was hidden in a graveyard and I think formally given back to his family later. And you also had an interesting case in, I think, County Meath, where a person who'd been involved in a land dispute and who had killed a neighbour, had been executed by the IRA for the crime of murder, and their body had been hidden. So sometimes civilians were disappeared for other reasons, but the majority of the time it's because they were alleged spies during the War of Independence. When civilians disappear during the truce period, a number of them would, like Thomas Handy I mentioned earlier, would have been just recently retired from the RIC, from the auxiliaries, and it was felt that there was still business to be settled, a score to be settled with these people because they had allegedly been involved in assassinations, reprisal killings, etc. For example, the last guy disappeared in the truce period in Cork was a guy called Michael Williams. Michael Williams had just retired from the RIC. He was living in the Midlands. He was abducted by the IRA in the Midlands, brought back to Cork, and he's one of the what we think one of the few genuine executions of a prisoner at Martin Corrie's farm. So again, in his case, the allegation against Michael Williams was that he'd been involved in the assassination of Tomás McCurtain. So it was a revenge. It was a reprisal for that. And you've mentioned, Podrick, that Cork had a vastly disproportionate amount of the disappeared. And it's also true that Cork, County Cork, had a you know, very disproportionate amount of killings of informers, killings of civilians by the IRA in the War of Independence. Uh, why do you think that was? Why is Cork so much more violent than, than other places? The short answer is the Cork was one of the most violent counties during the Irish Revolutionary period. Andy Bielenberg, my, my research partner on this, is the real expert on fatalities in Cork. And if you go to the Cork Fatalities Register, he has a list of 550 killings in Cork, which relate just to the War of Independence. Now, he is, is uh, conducting research with uh, Dr. or Professor uh, Donnelly in, in America, and they are hoping to identify those killed after that period into the truce and civil war. And I think you have a total figure of about 800 fatalities from the 1916 period up to the end of the, the civil war in 1923. 800 people die as a result of political violence in Cork. So the reason why there's more disappeared there, number one, is that the body count is higher in Cork than elsewhere. Uh, for example, nobody has disappeared in the War of Independence in County Wicklow, but only five people, I think, are killed in Wicklow during the War of Independence. So that's not a, a surprise. The second reason, apart from numbers, why there are so many more disappeared in Cork is that IRA intelligence in Cork was excellent compared to other areas, particularly in Cork City. 
And the IRA had actually managed to infiltrate and have its own spies in Victoria Barracks in Cork, which was the centre of British intelligence in the entire Sixth Division Munster area. And the only two areas where the IRA were that successful in getting intelligence from the heart of the British machine were in Cork City and in Dublin City with people like Lily Mernon, Ned Broy and David Nedigan in, in Dublin Castle. If you look at a county like, like Limerick, you would have had excellent IRA intelligence in the post offices. If you look at a county like Clare, again, IRA intelligence was through the post offices and occasional friendly RIC man. But in Cork, you had the combination of British intelligence having been infiltrated, leaking to the IRA, but also a very substantial Protestant loyalist population, who some of whose members appear to have been active in actively assisting the British forces. So that would make Cork different as well. Yeah, now you've brought us on to a very controversial question, a very controversial area, Podrick, and a very contested area, which is the killing of Protestant civilians in the south of Ireland during the War of Independence. Now, as you know, one of the theses pioneered probably by Peter Hart was that people were not really informers who were killed. They were killed by category, including Protestants. And some subsequent researchers have taken this up. And what do your findings about people who were disappeared tell you about that whole debate? I think Peter Hart's research in some ways is excellent on other topics, but is very problematic when it comes to the issue of sectarianism. And in my PhD thesis and in my book, uh, Truce, which was based on it, I looked at the number of alleged informers executed nationally, and the overwhelming majority of them were Catholics rather than, than Protestants. Certainly in Cork, a lot of Protestant civilians were alleged or were executed as alleged spies, some of whom were disappeared. But again, you have to see it in a local context. And I think that Often when Protestants were killed in Cork, it was often done because there was a very strong allegation that they had connections, that they had assisted the, the British forces. For example, two people who were disappeared from Cork City, father and son, James Blemons and Frederick Blemons, they were both from Black Rock in, in Cork, and they were buried in, in Carroll's Bogs to the, the south of Cork City, and I don't think their bodies have ever been recovered. But again, it was information from inside the British intelligence network that had leaked to the IRA, which, which identified them. You have to remember that Josephine Marchant Brown, who was a secretary in the, the British officer's office, was copying all the information that came in, passing this out to the IRA, and this helped to identify local spies. And I mean, I think, again, Andy Bielenberg's research on the issue of sectarianism, particularly as it relates to Cork, would be superior to mine. But I think if you look at it, there were very strong connections between the Church of Ireland community and other minority faith communities in Cork, Presbyterians and Methodists, and the British forces, and the RIC as well. I mean, it was standard that RIC officers were generally from a very wealthy Protestant background. Of course, there was very strong connections in the First World War um, with uh, the Church of Ireland and the British Army. It's, it's a very complex picture, and I think people shouldn't just automatically jump to the conclusion of, of sectarianism. I would argue that Peter Hart's work is somewhat problematic. And if somebody was interested in that question, I would su suggest that they should check out the research of John Borgonovo, Andy Bielenberg, and Barry Keane, who've all done more recent work on County Cork. But I would say that for our research on the disappeared, 
we didn't find a very strong correlation between people being disappeared and their religious background. It was generally due to the, the context of how they had been executed and the information they had allegedly given. Now, at the other end of the country, in what became Northern Ireland, there was a great deal of, of sectarian violence and killing of civilians. But there doesn't seem to have been this phenomenon of uh, disappearing people at, at the time. Can you explain why that was or why you think it might have been? The main reason why civilians were disappeared in the War of Independence truce period as a whole was that they were alleged spies. And if you just look at the shooting of spies on a national basis, very few people are shot as alleged spies by the IRA in Ulster as a whole even excluding the, the six counties that become Northern Ireland. And the majority of those that are shot as spies, I think there are eight alleged spies killed in Monaghan, and only one of those is, is disappeared. In a county like Donegal, you have two people disappeared, and they were both black and tans who'd been shot by the IRA, and the IRA, fearing reprisals, wanting to get rid of the bodies, dumped them in the sea, and one of the bodies washed up. During the War of Independence in the six counties that became Northern Ireland, basically you do not have, as far as I'm aware, many, if any, people who are shot as alleged informers. Therefore, if they're not being shot, if no one's shot for being an informer, no one is being disappeared. Shooting of informers in the northern six counties really, as far as I know, starts in the, the latter period in the truce in, the, in the, the Civil War, when the shooting of informers in the south is, is really declining. And the only person we have on record as being disappeared in the, the six counties is uh, a guy called William Fraser. And he was a Protestant publican and B special from Newton Hamilton in, uh, in Armagh. And he disappeared on the 30th of June, 1922. Now, Fraser was abducted by the IRA just two weeks after what's called the alt Neve Massacre, which was an IRA reprisal for earlier killings by the B-Specials and the Catholic Nationalist community. Again, people can look it up. Fraser's killing may have been related to that. The other thing about Fraser's killing is that he was an orange man. He was a very active loyalist. And when the IRA came to raid his home for guns in the earlier truce period, he had actually fired upon them. So it may have been as a punishment for that. It may have been because he had a connection with the B-Specials. It may have been as a retaliation for Alt-Neve. We simply don't know. And there are conflicting claims over whether his body was actually recovered or whether it's still missing. The claim at the time is that the body that was recovered and produced by the family was to, to claim uh, insurance and that it wasn't actually his body. The truth of that we do not know and cannot establish. There's a lot of folklore and rumours and exaggeration that attaches to these disappearances because it's such a, a grim and unusual subject. Yeah, I mean, I suppose one thing that springs to mind with regard to the North is that whereas in places like Cork, IRA was basically in control of the countryside a lot of the time. In the North, it was operating in hostile country. You know, you, you weren't going to be sticking around digging a body in some place because you might well be discovered by the special constabulary. Yeah, I mean, the IRA in northern six counties is not just fighting the British forces. They're also fighting a very active and armed loyalist opposition and active and armed nationalist opposition from the Hibernians as well. So they're just not operating in, in the same context as the, the IRA further south or in other parts of Ulster would have been. So we kind of periodize, you know, the Irish Revolution into the War of Independence, the truce and the Civil War. Now you've alluded to the truce where there was a number of people disappeared from what we can talk of as kind of revenge killings in the War of Independence. 
But what's surprising in one way in your research project is that in the Civil War, there's virtually no disappearances. There are a handful, but really not many. There's really only two cases of, of disappearing of Free State soldiers in the Civil War, isn't that right? Yeah, so only three people disappeared in the Civil War in total that we can find. One, William Fraser, who I mentioned earlier, and then the other two are Lieutenant George Cruz and Lieutenant James Kennedy, who are two Free State soldiers who take a car out in Tipperary. It appears from the, the army records that they were on some kind of you know leisure trip or joyride. The IRA thought they were intelligence officers. They were captured by the IRA. They were executed in January of 1923, but their bodies were put into a ditch and were buried and weren't actually discovered until April of 1923. So they would be the only two disappeared Free State soldiers that we are aware of from the Civil War period. Yeah, I mean, Dan Breen has some fairly kind of upsetting, I would say, testimony in the Bureau of Military History where he kind of he glorifies in, in killing those two men. Yeah, Dan Breen talks about a, another instance where he executes or, or he refers to a, the execution of a another Free State soldier who I think in that case was left on a roadside with a spy label, the, the way the IRA had operated during the War of Independence. But what I would say is in terms of the Civil War, the IRAs, really it's understandable that there aren't many or any IRA disappearances of alleged informers because the shooting of informers goes way down in the Civil War compared to the War of Independence. By my own personal research, somewhere in the region of 20 to 30 people were shot as spies during the Civil War compared to 200 during the War of Independence. Really, the whole dynamic around it had changed. The card in that would have been placed on the bodies of spies in the War of Independence was spies and informers beware. And often in the Civil War in counties like Tipperary, the notice that would have been put on the bodies of dead spies was spies and robbers beware. So there may be an element of vigilantism creeping into it there. There may be an element of agrarian stuff. But what isn't there in any large numbers that we can detect are disappearances of civilians as spies in the Civil War in Cork or outside Cork. Yeah, I mean, I guess a wider inference that you can take from that, I think, that, that I'm certainly seeing in, in researching the Civil War is that, like, civilians are certainly killed a lot less in the Civil War than the War of Independence. If you want to look at, for the most risk to civilians, it's definitely the War of Independence period. Yeah, and um, one of the reasons why the IRA executes spies, and as I talked about, there were different levels of punishment for, for spies in the War of Independence, fines, boycott, exile, etc. One of the reasons why the IRA had to resort to executing spies in the War of Independence was because they didn't have prisons. They didn't have places that they could hold them for long periods of time without putting themselves as risk. So that's why you had the executions and, and sometimes disappearances. But in the Civil War, the IRA do own whole barracks at the beginning of it. They do control very large swathes of territory, like the so-called Munster Republic, where they can hold people and punish them for infractions without having to shoot them straight off. So again, the conflict of the, the Civil War is totally different, as readers of the Irish story will know, to the, the context and the conflict in the War of Independence. One famous disappearance from the Civil War period, Podrick, is Noel Lamas. Is he included in your research? Noel Lamas isn't included in our, our study because Noel Lamas, your own uh, book on the, the Civil War in Dublin, John, is, is excellent. I recommend everyone buys it. You'd be more of an expert in the Civil War in Dublin than I, but I think I'm correct in saying that Noel Lamas is abducted a day or two after the Civil War officially ends. Yeah, it's a month or so really after, because that's why he comes back yeah. from, from exile. So. 
The problem with the, the NOLA mass killing, we haven't included it in our study because chronologically it occurs after the end of the Civil War. And NOLA mass's execution is certainly interesting because while plenty of other Republicans were killed in reprisal or secret killings by free state forces at the time, their bodies were usually left where they were killed, sometimes in you know, remote areas like, like alleys or waste ground. Occasionally, I think in one case, a body was thrown in a canal. But what we count as disappearance is, or a forced disappearance is, there is a deliberate attempt to hide the body to prevent recovery. And that's either throwing it in a river where it gets washed out to sea, or it's burying it in a, a bog or a remote area. With Noel Lamas, there's conflicting information. Certainly, his body is dumped in a very remote area, and there are questions over whether the spot the body was recovered from is the spot where he was killed. But long story short, the killing isn't covered in our, in our study. It's certainly a very interesting one. Potentially, it's a disappeared case, but I would suggest to people that they should read your own research in it or studies of the Civil War because he falls outside of our timeline, which is strictly War of Independence, Truce Period, and Civil War. Uh, there was an initiative a few years ago on a TV programme that was hosted by Unit Halpin of Trinity College to try to dig up some of these unmarked graves. Is there an initiative to try to recover some of the bodies that were disappeared in the War of Independence? As I said, the most successful one in recent years has been the information that I had found in Private George Duff Chalmers was used to recover his body and that grave had always been marked by local people and it just took a matter of hours. The Gardaí went out they went to the site, which was marked with a stone and a wooden cross, turned over the stone slab that was on the grave, dug down two feet, and there was the, the body. And Private Chalmers' uh, relatives were involved in its recovery, and there was a, a ceremony for him afterwards in Grange Gorman Military Cemetery. And everything there, in terms of the oral history, in terms of the records, stacked up and was very straightforward. But a few months later, you had Gardaí in County Kerry, in North Kerry, digging for the remains of an alleged former informer called uh, John Brennan. And there's no IRA records of any informer called John Brennan being executed in Kerry that we could find. I've talked to local historians in Kerry. They have no knowledge of it. There is no, or well, there obviously is an oral tradition of it in the area. But when the Garda superintendent called in the heavy machinery and when they excavated half a field, they found nothing. And I think the moral of the story is that you can't just go on local stories, no matter how adamant the person is telling it. If there is not a documented evidence of the disappearance, if there isn't an IRA record of the execution, you know, really, you shouldn't be bringing in a team of excavators or, or archaeologists. And I think if you look at the last successful recovery in 2018, Private George Chalmers, everything was there. Uh, the family had records of this guy that he was missing. The British had records that he was missing. There was a record of an IRA execution. There was local oral history or folklore. The names of the men who were involved in the execution were there. There was such detail. And when you've looked at a, 108 or more of these things, very quickly you can kind of develop a nose and you can start to sniff out what stories ring true and what ones don't. As we said, you know, we've identified 108 disappeared 
70 of those bodies, as far as we know, are, are still missing. Bodies sometimes are turned up by accident in the 1950s. A farmer working his fields near Charleville in Cork turned up the bodies of two members of the British Machine Gun Corps who were reburied. In the case of the Hornybrooks, who were Protestant loyalists who were executed at the beginning of a very infamous incident known as the Bandon Valley Massacre or the Dunmanway Massacre. Their bodies were, were hidden in a bog and according to Church of Ireland's Garda uh, correspondence, the bodies were dug up in the 1940s but the local Church of Ireland community or their relatives didn't want to make a fuss and the bodies were reburied in a Church of Ireland graveyard without any publicity. So it's, it's possible that the number of bodies to be recovered is less there's also a number of cases where the IRA disappeared the bodies by dumping them in rivers. Presumably many of them have been swept out to sea and, and will never be recovered. But really, as historians, it's our job to clarify the facts. And I think there were very high previous estimates of, of hundreds of disappeared we're pretty confident that our figure of 108 disappeared by the IRA, seven disappeared by the British is very accurate. The War of Independence up to Civil War period. And really the question of retrieving these bodies is a job for others. That could be a job for battlefield archaeologists. It could be a job for the Gardaí. It could be a job for the British Ministry of Defence, the Commonwealth War Graves Commission. Our point is that we have established the facts as far as they can be established, and that is a matter for the authorities and for others, whether they want to retrieve the bodies or not. Okay, Podrick, and finally, can you just tell the listeners where they can find your research if they want to read it? Yeah, the article is called Shallow Graves Documenting and Assessing IRA Disappearances During the Irish Revolution, 1919 to 1923. It's by me, Padre Gog O'Rourke, and Andy Bielenberg of uh, University College Cork. You can get it on the Routledge Journal, which is called the Journal of Small Wars and Insurgencies. And if people check back as well on the Irish Story website, I have some articles there about disappearances in County Clare. I have some articles in History Ireland as well about disappearances by British forces. And of course, if you're interested in any of the Cork cases of people who were disappeared free online, you can go to the Cork Fatalities Register and you'll get Andy Bielenberg's research on those. Okay, Patrick O'Rourke, thank you very much. So that was John Dorney talking to Dr. Porrick O'Rourke about the disappeared of the Irish Revolution. If you'd like to listen to previous episodes of the show, you can visit our website, irishhistoryshow.ie. You can follow us on Twitter, at Irish History Pod, or on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash the Irish History Show. We love to hear your views on the show, so please contact us and let us know. Send us a message on Twitter or on Facebook, just let us know what you think. So until next time, thank you very much for listening.